on today's Homo Superior. KB Toys or Toys R Us, and that shit wasn't available. You're like, where's the well, Omega I, Red? Like, I know, I can find Kylan, but ex- I can't find Omega Red. Exactly. You can always find Kylan. Yes. Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Uh, and scene. <laughs> Welcome to Homo Superior, where I'm not a scroll. Why are you asking? <laughs> Issue 289. I'm Kalen. I'm Ryan. And I'm Adam. And I'm not Brent Wingate, because uh, he's not here, and I, neither is Clark. This week, the X-Men celebrate a milestone birthday, and they don't look a day over 59. We start reviewing that 90s show. Just kidding, but Secret Invasion loves traveling back to that decade. And speaking of the 90s, the animated series loves portraying Europe like it's the 1890s. <laughs> uh, we got a Deadpool 3 rumor that shows it's, uh, that shows it's getting timey-wimey and Tatum-waitum. <laughs> Love that. And a few more issues that preview the future of Fall of X. And as always, we like to normally end things by plugging them daddies or letting them plug us. But before we go into housekeeping... <gasps> It's a special birthday. Happy birthday, Adam. It's your birthday. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) At your age, I don't blame you. So, Adam, we have a couple of gifts for you. And they're just from us. They're not from the others because they're not here. I do like that build up that it started being that. Um, Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Happy birthday. We should take a picture and post. Yes. We should. I'm glad I dressed up. Oh my god, the ultimate ghost face action figure. You're from a Scream. ghost face killer. Oh, I've actually. What's funny is, uh, so I'm on a bunch of like Facebook horror groups, and I've uh-huh. seen people post this okay. thing. Yeah, and I'm just very excited. Very this is cute. wonderful. I but, love and now, this. what is it? Explain it. Yeah, for the so listeners. it is for those that don't no watch, can watch Scream. <laughs> I know. So it's uh, you might know him as Ghostface. He is the preeminent killer in Scream, and though it's played by seventeen people over the course of six movies uh but you've got your little ultimate action figure he's got a scythe for some reason which i don't think he's ever used tons of knives which is definitely what he has used oh his little fucking voice box that's amazing and then three different masks kind of a witchy gooey greeny one yeah i don't uh, know de- what that one's from i know right it's def- oh you know what i think it's the part of the stab because i think stab the like in meta movie oh, yeah, yeah he's got a green it's like not it's usually a green mask where there's like a lot of green lighting gotcha. so i think it's to play off of that You've got blood, you've got singed, and then you've got the regular. This is so nice, you guys. We'll take Thank pictures you. of it yes. after. Um, and also, so this is not your main gift. I didn't bring it today because I just didn't, I didn't have time to go home and grab it. But I got this thing for you a long your time wallet? ago. Your wallet? It's my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there's, okay. a, so there's a wallet. Uh, Ryan's pulling it out of his purse. So- Look at this. Tortilla so they're Okay, so they're coasters that look like tortillas. And as you famously just make everything into a, a tortilla or nachos, um, they apparently, if you open them up, they actually smell like real tortillas. Too. No. I just hope your dog Tango doesn't like eat them. No, we have but the aren't they fun? Yes, this is amazing. We have the kind of semi. I, when I went to that weird fun. supermarket thing, I got us everyone like things. I got Brent those like eggplant earrings, and then uh, I got you these. I just, oh, yeah. So, so right. I've been holding went, on the, to these for a while. What was that? The cat burglar. What cat burglar? <laughs> Not cat burglar. What was um, it called? No, it wasn't. Meow Wolf. Meow Wolf. Yeah. Meow Wolf. Meow Wolf in Vegas. Yeah. Does it smell or is it done? Oh, God damn it. They might be done. But. Hey, corn tortillas don't really smell like much anyway, <laughs> so it works like, for me. They smell like cardboard. <laughs> yeah. 
These are adorable. Like though. Or dog I feet. cannot wait to put these out tomorrow. I asked uh, Ryan when he showed them to me, did he get those at Tortilla Coast, the <laughs> restaurant that went out of business? I know. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah. Uh, and we love sweet. you more than Brent and Clark because they're not even here. I know. And I, yeah, I love you both because they're not here. And yeah. this is my birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Let's move into some housekeeping. Yes, that's right. Uh, the person that I like less than the two of you, Clark and I, had a great conversation. Um, we launched it. it came I thought out you on meant Jeremy. Jer- I was like, why do you hate Jeremy? <laughs> I hate Jeremy yeah, no, so what did much. he do to you? No, we talked with uh, Jeremy Whitley. So he is the writer for uh, the most recent Gwenpool series of Love Unlimited, where uh, they she came out as Ace and Arrow. Um, he's done Future Foundation. He has done, uh, gosh, Unstoppable Wasp. Um, he... So the the let me wrap up with his other stuff, and then I'll talk a little bit about the fun facts that we kind of learned. So um, he the Dog Knight had came out in in May. Yeah, great. Like it's about a, a non binary uh, kid who is looking to just kind of like life's troubles, and then ends up talking to this Pantheon. So it's like a bunch of dog gods basically that are trying to stop like gremlins from causing chaos. It's a very cute story. The dogs are all wonderful. The character, the mom's relationship with the main character is absolutely great. Tons of good friendship stuff. It's like kind of that all ages book that, you know, should be winning lots of awards, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, in a short amount of time. And he's always done um, so much content that's built around uh, identifying what his nerd friends or nerd family don't have. So when he had daughters, he, you know, he wrote uh, Princeless, which is about a princess realizing that she wanted to save herself and you know her her his daughters are black and so there's just a lot of like like what a and he's beyond an ally he's an ally obviously to a lot of people but he also identifies on the asexual spectrum as demisexual and so he got with with the Gwenpool story kind of the fun fact that I was stunned by because I was like you know ready to be like well how real was it like what was the process obviously he as a writer would be thoughtful to it the entire kind of production the team essentially all identified in some capacity on the asexual spectrum. So it was no production, kidding. writing, wow. art, what have you. And so they the, they got to that heart of the content, the issue, because they would send each other ideas and everyone would just be like, oh, that's totally happened to me. Like, So they're just like such a cool experience to see representation maxed out. And then the other fun fact tied with, I was laughing because I originally thought this was like related to Stream 6 when I pulled out the bag because um, I was just talking with Jeremy today. So Jeremy does a podcast called uh, Positively Horrified, where they, or Progressively Horrified, where they take concepts, um, they take horror movies, they watch them, and then they try to like discuss are there deeper themes in them. And the funniest fact from the interview that we had, they had a specialist on, I guess a therapist or just someone dealing with bipolar disorder and things like that. That was also featured in his Unstoppable Wasp conversation, if you read the comic. Um, but we were talking about Midsummer. How, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, that like you'd think that that is like a general, thoughtful, positive representation of mental health. But I think everybody forgets this. I certainly did. And so did Jeremy said before they they interviewed this person was like the beginning of the movie starts with the other daughter, the sister who has bipolar fucking gassing her entire yeah. family. Right. Yeah. They house. have that they have that hose that's in the <laughs> home and it like kills the entire family. And it was like maybe not the best representation right. for the variety of mental health uh, issues that people yeah. are dealing with. So just a very cool concept, very like on our We're dealing level. with trauma probably. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just all that sort of stuff. So I would check out the interview now. It's on obviously our Spotify everywhere you're listening to this already. Um hugely amazing person. Like can't wait to see more of what he's going to do. 
I think he's going to the uh, what is it called? Small Press Exchange Expo, Expo in uh, Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland. So we'll, in we'll see him up there, but but listen to it now. Just such great, t- yeah. It's a good, it's a great interview, really, and it, it just, Thank you. yeah, it was really, it was, it was really good, and just <laughs> because of Clark, right now, yeah, right? Right. Clark was ah! phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. No, but like it. He really opened my eyes to so many things that I had no idea about. Such so, a thoughtful yeah. guy. Like, just such a really chill. Cool. T- like, I was just, you know, I, we were, I was talking about this with you on the weekend, Kayla. I'm like, we call these creator crushes, obviously, as like a general, like, joke and a pitch for that. Every time we do these fucking interviews, we get I a fall crush on these people. Yeah. yeah, they're we're all like creator people. sexual. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We just fall in love with creators all the time. <laughs> I just love a creative brain. I'm just like, man, that's so thoughtful. Oh, I, love that. I love that. Okay, well, let's get into some of our content. Yes. It is the 60th anniversary of our favorite mutants, the X-Men. They debuted in 1963. So we're going to do a little bit of a top six moments that change the X-Men or uh, inflection points. Pretty much for everyone. And for everyone. I think it's probably the big ones. I think we got It's the big one. So I'm going to start. I'll say you got to start with X-Men number one, 1963, introducing Cyclops. Jean Grey, Iceman, Angel, Beast, and Professor X by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yes. Um, while it doesn't hold up, it's mm-hmm. still set. You could not have the X Men without it. So I it's, gotta say that's number one. The reason why it holds up is this: Stanley said, "I'm tired of making superheroes. What if I didn't anymore?" And he just <laughs> simply said, <laughs> in all of his interviews, famously he, said yeah. that. Yes. In all of his interviews, he's so funny because he's just like, um. Uh, I got tired of making origin stories. I don't stories. really know anymore. What if they're just born with it? He says yeah. it in a very yeah. positive way, but yeah. good on him. And it turned into something great. And like the meaning lasts for so much longer. Yeah. Well, well and I think where it really kind of kicked into high gear after that OG5, because they were all fucking white people and Iceman wasn't out of the closet yet. You had Giant Size X-Men number one uh, coming out in 1975. It's you know the iconic cover where everybody's bursting through. Yeah. Uh, you've got such a, you know, kind of a Street Fighter-esque representation of different cultures where it's just like, yeah, yeah you're the wow. Native American, you're the indigenous person, and you're the Irish person, and you're the yeah. so on and so forth. But at the, t- I mean, it's the fucking 70s and the yeah. 80s, like that's, like, to have even that and pr- produce that with obviously the intent of both adults and children, like to create that energy, I think is huge. The ramifications of that, that cast and what they mean to people, what they've done for people, like in terms of representation and feeling connected to characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, I would probably say, besides some of the, the comics that we're going to, I mean, the cartoons we're going to talk about, it's just like, that's the thing I think if you were touching comics, you immediately connect with yeah. in terms of that. Actually. I know you joked about Street Fighter, which is really funny, but it's the inspiration with Star Trek. Uh, it's ah. that representation. Oh, there's Ahura, a black woman. Yeah. There's Chekhov, a Russian guy. There's Sulu, who's, you know, Chinese-American. And so they, like, had all, like, they tried to do that for, for the X-Men. Honestly, it was my, I, I th- it's also because I'm, a ni- like, a 90s kid. But, like, it's something about, I always took it from the fighting game side. But it's, like, to, obviously, that's also stereotypical. And, like, Jesus. And we'll talk about the Nightcrawler uh, episode of <laughs> the animated series in a bit. But it's just, like, man, did we have such underthought versions of what we thought other co- cultures and countries yes. were. Yes, we yeah. did. Yes. We completely did. We really, really did. Uh, Want to go to number three, Ryan? Yeah, so obviously uh, reaching into probably one of the most well-known comics that we've seen over and over again is X-Men number one that was relaunched in 1991. So this was when it came back after its big resurgence and it was uh, they, they realized, hey, we have too many fucking X-Men. So what are we going to do? We're going to split it up into two teams. Yeah. The blue team and the gold team. 
for a whole couple of issues they did this. (laughs) But the big idea behind this was this is the true 90s look of them. And also this is the idea of them realizing there's so much juice in this. We we have the ability to split these into so many different teams and see what we can do with that. Yeah. Uh, X-Men number one, uh, the one that Ryan just referenced from 1991, is still the best-selling comic book of all time. Uh, so much so that you can still find it like at like conventions and other stores because I have like thirty five copies of I'm, it because yeah. they had well, five they oversold copies. it like crazy. Yeah, they yeah. oversold it like crazy. It was during the specula specula speculator craze. God, I can't say that word uh, of the early nineties that like you know Death of Superman was part of all the Image and Valiant books. But like my God, X Men number one was mind blowing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kinley. Is this the era that people are like? Comics are collectibles, and so everyone yes. jumped to the stage. Well, very much so. I have a. It's somewhere. I'm sure I don't have it anymore after my parents moved. There was a QVC bought Jim Lee signed number one. I'm oh, pretty bitch. sure it was also a fucking stamp, probably. Of course. <laughs> oh yeah. But it was exactly that. Like it, the fact that it was like selling on QVC with this. You're gonna want this autographed copy. That's exactly what it was. I think the first one that really did it was the Spider-Man number one that Todd McFarlane launched in like 1990. Oh. This was part of it. X Force number one by Rob yeah, Liefeld, right. and then all the image stuff. It was just, and then Death Superman. Yeah, and this then, is such the zeitgeist of like collectibles. Though. Completely, but I mean. The X-Men were very popular in the 80s. They were astronomically popular in the 90s. So much so that they got their, na- their animated series, which is number four on our list. Um, the X-Men animated series uh, debuted in 1992 on Fox Kids. Uh, and it was gangbusters. People ate it up. The fact that they were adapting a lot of the 70s and 80s storylines and serializing it for a kid's uh, Saturday morning cartoon show when most TV at that time wasn't even serialized. Most TV was episodic. Well, that was the watershed moment from a toy perspective as well, because I remember back at Giant Size, I was probably one of the only people, I mean, I think a lot of people had them, they became collectors, but like had- Well, no, it was like in the eight, it was in the eighties when they were doing some of them. And like the figures were smaller. I had like a Magneto that had like magnets in its hands that you could like hold things oh, with. Oh yeah, I remember Storm that. Storm had her old 80s costume with like a lightning bolt. Nightcrawler had little suction cups on his knees and arms so oh, you could fun. stick them to walls. But like they weren't like cracking the like, besides the Pride, you know, Pride of the X-Men that got the video game series, all that sort of, that's kind of an honorable mention for me for sure. But like this was where, I mean, it was flood series of, of collectible figures. And, and like, boy, did you lose your fucking mind when you went to like KB Toys or Toys R Us, and that shit wasn't available. You're like, where's the Why? Omega Red? Like, I know, I can find Kylan, but ex- I can't find Omega Red. Exactly. You can always find Kylan. Yes, exactly. Also, it's just, it basically just was like, I think most people's entry to the X-Men. Oh, for oh, sure. Totally. People know the X-Men through from, the con- through Sometimes the just this animated series. Absolutely. Sometimes and people don't even know the fucking movies. They'll be like, oh, is that Storm from the animated series? That's <laughs> all they know. <laughs> Uh, and it's so popular that, it, of course, it's coming back as X-Men 97, 97. Yeah, last year. Because we can't or... get away from those 90s, honey. Uh, let's talk about these movies, Ryan. So what happens to an X-Men movie when it gets played in a movie theater? Maybe the same thing that doesn't happen to all other X-Men-related superhero movies. It starts at innovation because this was truly the format for how... Uh, Is your mutant works. power stretching? Because that you really stretched that joke out. Wait, I tried to make it work. Um... This, I think, got us all back into the the X-Men once again, and it changed both. The, this came out. Obviously, we had Hugh Jackman. We had Halle Berry. We had these huge names associated yeah. with these 
these characters. But now we also, it changed comics forever too. So we got new X-Men. So they started to wear all black right. leather. Yeah. Just like the, the, just like the fucking movies. And we got the ultimate universe launched as well. Mm-hmm. This changed literally the dynamic of what superhero movies could be. And I think the MCU now could not exist if it were not for this. Movie. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Boy, does it not hold up. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so wrapping us up, we've also got one is what is on a, seriously like is momentous. I know it's the most recent, but I do think it is another watershed moment for the mutants of House of X powers of 10. 2019 obviously you know this we're certainly not fucking putting resurrection on this list nope uh but this was really where i think we've created this new world for x-men it creates a whole new opportunity for even in the mcu uh from a content perspective of who they want to focus on how they want to focus on and i think with the gala and some other like major sequences they've also sort of caught once again like you're describing ryan like another catching the wave, catching the moment where I think there's a lot more culturally being discussed about X-Men, queer representation at all, hot time high, really connecting the dots and that moving away from the really bad metaphors previously about race ethnicity for mutants in terms of like Malcolm X. Exactly. uh, So just like really restarting or restating uh, what's going on. Do you think this one will have, uh, this is the one that's most open for interpretation because it's the most recent one that happened, right? Yeah. Do you think this will have lasting effects? I, for the love of God, hope it does. I think it will. I, you know, I was thinking about this as we were putting this list together. Um, the X Men were really in the wilderness, popularity wise, for like fifteen years before this came out. Because, uh, yeah, you had you know, like Morrison's run was incredibly popular in the early two thousands, and that gave it a jolt of energy. Whedon's run for sure, but it kind of sputtered out because of the uh, uh, how infrequently it was coming out yeah, at the time. And then at the time, like Marvel was making Avengers their like flagship title with Brian Michael Bendis taking it over, getting it ready for the MCU. The X Men always got the short shrift. I mean, the fact that they tried to replace them with the Inhumans in the 2010s. Well, they were decimated. They were down to 100 people. Well, there's that. There's <laughs> that. Well, to be specific. 198, exactly. Yeah. And then after that, uh, when they tried bringing them back a little bit, it was like, oh, no, 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 we'll do the Inhumans because we got yeah, the rights for that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, the fact that, like, they're popular again is huge. And it had been 15 years, mm-hmm. 15 years. So I think there will be lasting effects, even though we are about to enter the fall of X uh, era. Would you say the, that if there's one lesson that we learned yeah. watching the X-Men over the 60 years is uh-huh. that whether there's highs or lows, you just got to keep riding that light. <laughs> <laughs> there she is. There's that action figure from the 90s. Oh. Are there are there any honorable mentions for you? So I mentioned the Pride of the X-Men and then obviously I, the video game cabinet. Huge movement, I think, for the mm-hmm. time. The X-Men, well, the, the video game was, I think, iconic as well. Um, one, there was a series of 35 events that the X-Men did where it was like X-Men versus the Avengers. Uh, X-Men versus yeah. the Inhuman. That was sort of an iconic era. I didn't love it, but I think it was was a narrative that they had for a long time. So, uh, for me, got past, I think. for me, I, I mentioned Morrison's run. I think, um, they put such a jolt into mm. the X-Men that like really made it feel very 21st century. Um, but an honorable mention that I think started off really well, but kind of fizzled was the schism era mm. because it, it completely flipped the script on the professor X and Magneto, rivalry by making it about Wolverine and Cyclops and it was an interesting idea they fucked it up but it was 
if they'd done it right, I think it would have been a, a watershed moment. You know what I think even more than that? We talked about it earlier, the 198, but the de- decim- uh, decimation of them yeah. through Scarlet Witch, I think, is another iconic. So uh, I, I do think agree that, with that. That was Agreed. such the status quo for the longest time. And then with Krakoa, they're like, what if we do the opposite? Yeah. <laughs> do you have any dishonorable Bill Henchman? Um, uh, Rob Layfield. <laughs> uh, well, I would say the Resurrection Era, which was like, um, anytime, anytime the X-Men try to just mine for nostalgia, we know it's bad. But there, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, no, I really wish I looked this up, but it came into my head as we were talking about this. I, someone's going to fucking listen to this and then chat it out, I'm sure, in their brain. It was a X-Men uh, game that came out. It was after X-Men Legends that were all really good. That's like another kind of honorable mention for me. Sure. But there was one where it was like, you didn't play as any of the X-Men, but you like got, you were three char- three kids oh, that yeah. got superpowers. Yeah. It was, one was like Lightning Girl. One was like Yellow Power Boy. One was like... Um, Red and you're like, what are these powers? That sounds like that a legion fire. of superheroes. That shit came out and it was like the stu. Every, like you could like, tell from the previews it was gonna be awful, and then it came like, out. And we was came awful. up with three yeah. original character. characters. It also sounds so like the generic. Gifted, that series that we reviewed yeah. right when we started the podcast. But uh, to Adam's point, if uh, any of you listeners uh, have some honorable mentions or things that should have been in the top six. Tweet at us or slide into our DMs on Instagram. I think we've got a Polaris coming up next week. So yes, we, can ask we about that. do. All right, let's MCU Next TV, our weekly segment focused on the latest and greatest of the MCU Disney Plus TV shows. This week, we've got the second and third episode of uh, Secret Invasion. And as always, continuing our coverage of X-Men, the animated series. So we've got Promises and Betrayed. In the second episode, we'll kind of do it like chunks at a time because I think obviously a lot of happened over two hours. So in the second episode, Promises, we go back to the 90s where we see how Fury molds Talos' scroll refugees into a spy network, including children like Gravik. We also get the ramifications and fallout of Gravik's assault in Russia, including Sonya torturing scrolls, Talos revealing that over a million scrolls are currently on Earth, Gravik's master plan to create super scrolls using Groot, Frost Beast, and Cull Obsidian DNA, and a little help from Maya Hansen and Adrian Killing's extremist tech from Iron Man 3. Bet you didn't know you'd ever see extremist tech in the fucking MCU Bet I again. don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about it. What'd you guys th- let's talk about the second episode first. So kind of the big moments. There was, you know. So, so this is a fury-heavy episode, right? Yeah. We're Serious. finally getting into pull well, yeah, yeah. Did the twenty this, minute monologue give it away? <laughs> hmm. Did it make you furious? When he was talking, I was like, "Are you playing a different character right now?" <laughs> Did that feel when that train situation where he was talking to Talos? I we got a lot of his backstory. Sure, why not? We need it. Um, it felt weird and forced, and then also him sort of freaking out at. There's a million scrolls here. Like it just, it felt so rushed and so unearned. Yes. I, I was so jarred out of the story. And I was like, is this the fury? Is this, I know we didn't know much about fury and this is sort of an exploration of that. But what are we doing here now? What, what, what is this about? Huh? I I feel like (laughs) I feel like the show to your point is just skipping ahead of some really interesting things they could be focusing in on. I know it's called secret invasion. Yeah. But the idea that fury became the master or spy master that he is known for now as a result of this entire network of scrolls is a very cool idea. Yeah. And it's like, I wish they would mind that a little bit more. They do a little bit more in the third episode, which mm-hmm. we'll get into the conversation between uh, Talos and and Fury, of course. But do we sh- like that, though? 
Uh, I didn't mind the tra- the thing that I didn't like about it is the amount of cutbacks they had to keep doing on Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, and the amount of weird facial reactions he had to make just to keep it moving Correct. was very. I'm like, just focus on Nick the entire time, so at least you're watching uh-huh. the person talk to you, right? Yeah. Whereas every time they, yeah, he would like scrunch up his face, he would laugh once in a while. I'm like, I'm not paying attention anymore because I'm just waiting for what stupid shit Ben Mendelsohn's gonna do. <laughs> I, the problem with this show is it's deadly dull. It is it is very boring, uh, and you know for something that like I know it couldn't be like the comic, but you know the the excitement of seeing oh my god who's going to be a scroll who isn't it's like all these nobodies who are like world leaders are like essentially scrolls like the prime that, minister of like that UK. one that one white act white terrible actor that always is a douchebag he's yeah. of course a oh, scroll oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally plays a douchebag in every <laughs> he fucking literally what is has, his name douchebag it's, it's douche, douchebag it, it yeah. is douchebag yeah but D- that's Oosh. his given name yeah he's a good actor though he D- plays Oosh. that role really well but oh, he does yeah, yeah yeah but to your point when you when you guys covered this the first week when i was out it's they didn't even read Secret Invasion. So, like... Oh, that's right. They did tell them, like, don't. Yeah, yeah you're not going to deal with any what of that What are we doing here? I know it's cool that they came up with an original story, but I just... Maybe I just... I I need something. I need something uh, to latch on to a I, little bit more. You know, I, I compare this a lot to Winter Soldier because it's clearly trying to go for that, that sort of... At least not the same themes, but at least that motif yeah. and, like, that kind of, like, feel, that cloak and dagger yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah. Winter Soldier was good because it really... Found a way to manage like like the darkness with the light and like a lot of Mm -hmm. humor. This is humorless, with the exception of Olivia Coleman when she's on screen. God bless her. She's just having the time of her life, and it seems like everybody else is just going through. When they have that call together, I'm like, yeah, it really is. But you're right though. It's literally, um, it's it's so funny to have her character constantly in red because she is the. To your point, I I'm enjoying the show. It's not like amazing, but I'm like, oh, I'm invested. But I every time that pop of color shows up on screen, you're like, "Oh, this scene's gonna be." You fucking mean her great. always wearing Correct. red? Yeah, it's yeah. so and good. And it's great. Yeah. I mean, her whole fucking interrogation sequence, and like, it's not like super original, right? Like, kind of like this like villainess, like yeah. you know, a little bit cheeky, like whatever. Yeah. But I'm fucking eating it up. She's incredible as the actress has it, and I think She's the character great. in general is just playing above everybody else. I want also her. Also, Daenerys, as you call yeah. her. Yeah. Um, I I think she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. I was gonna say Olivia Coleman and Julie Louis Dreyfus need to share a scene oh together. Oh my god! Like Contessa, yeah, I can only get so erect. She, I know exactly right. She, she is going to be around. Yeah. I think hopefully they don't kill her off because she is so good in this um, that yeah. she needs to be someone in the greater MCU that always pops up. So there is a yeah. I would say the, the other thing before we went into episode three was that like it is a bottom out for me that like you know poor Colby Smolder <laughs> excuse can't, me yeah, no, bottom out. uh Colby Smolder can't catch a fucking break there's like no real oh, yeah that poor connection mom. with that and then to be honest I think it was a huge miss to have her be lost in the first episode now having seen the second and third ones because I think right. to your point Kalen they maybe not so much in that first episode but like they had a lot more connection and levity and like in all the stuff that they've been in together that relationship was there. I think Talos and uh, Nick Fury doing their sort of like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Like yeah. sort of platonic man love is great, but it's just not, it's not, yeah. I don't think I'm as addicted to wanting to see what's going to happen to you next. Although I really respect that they're, I, both, they're doing it. Someone online posted, and that's how I killed your mother. <laughs> 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 and I was like, that's Oh my God. Fantastic. Oh my God. I will also say, um, one of the other reasons I'm not really like jiving the show is Gravik is a 
very dull villain. Are you kidding? I like Gravik a lot. What is, uh, he's very handsome. Yeah. He's easy to I look at. I think you're attracted to him. Well, I also think... Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Like, I, I think that I, is what it I is. I think I like the more... I think there needs to be more Machiavellian behind him or more like just machinations behind him. What yeah. I appreciate, at least, is that he is... Even as like a you know younger looking scroll, like he is, rep- <laughs> he has that hot young scroll. He has gravitas. He has energy. Like I mean, yeah, uh, it was a Kingsley Ben Adir is doing a great job. But like, just the character to me is like is a fucking terrorist, and it's interesting. But they all like this fucking like basically Earth fucked over the scrolls. So I'm not like it's kind of like a hashtag graphic was right in many. Oh ways. no no no! I mean like he's got a point it's of view, point. but it's also really similar to the Flag Smashers. It's true from Falcon it Winter Soldier, and it's true. like it maybe it isn't fair to to compare the two, but it's just like you kind of did this already, and you kind of fucked it up the first yeah. time. And I mentioned this on our Slack channel, with the exception of like Wakanda Forever and Black Panther, which deals with fictitious nations. I don't think the MCU does real politic really well. It is very like broad and it's not subtle. It doesn't deal with the nuances. Well, they have to constantly avoid being like America's bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, a little bit. Yeah, or at least like America's neutral, chaotic. Like it's they're all, like, oh, thank God, all the it's stuff just, with Russia. We really have an enemy. We yeah, yeah it's, it's very, just very, very watered down. Very John Le Carre. Like you know, I'd rather just watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. Let's. What, ju- do, you, what do you think about? Real quick, I have yeah. a question for you guys. What do you think about Rhodey's You're off the case. I got. I wrote that oh, in my fucking. You're notes. off the case. Lethal yeah. weapon. You're getting too old. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. You get Hand in your eye patch. Yeah. You're off the case. Yeah. That, I think that's the bigger problem. Is that there is such a uh, cognitive dissonance, and I appreciate they didn't. If they they haven't shown a single fucking flashback from when Nick returned, so everyone just keeps talking about yes. how he's changed and what's going on. And you as the viewer are only seeing this kind of like B B minus Nick Fury. And so it's infuriating, get it? Because No, no I don't explain it. Because without that that jump, it is very hard to tell, like to your point, Kaylin, this is the first time we're really delving into this character besides him being on the scene and just doing actions. Yeah. It's like so who's the real Nick Fury is kind of what it really comes down to. I also I appreciate the kind of the inclusion of like we are black men who have risen to power. Yeah. But I also feel some of it's really clumsy. I may not be the right person to say that, but like I think Falcon and a Soldier handled a little bit better with Isaiah, uh, you yeah. know, as yeah. like the as like a super soldier and like getting fucked over by the US government. This just feels very I don't know, it just feels like Oh, he happens to be black. Rhodey happens to be black. Let's bring this up. But maybe it was so clumsy because in episode three, Betrayed, we find out Rhodey's a scrawl. Yes, that's right. In the 90s, we learn more about Nikki, Nick's, rela- Nikki's relationship. Nick's relationship with his scrawl wife, Priscilla. Uh, Talos plays mind chess with Gravik. Gaia suffers a potentially mortal wound after finally being discovered as a mole. And there's kind of, you know, it's not really revealed, revealed, but Rhodey's on the end of the phone line at the end of the episode. Um, so it is very highly likely that Rhodey is himself mm. a scroll. I don't think that covers any of what you were describing. Not but, at all, but. Uh, you know, maybe they'll wash it away with that at yeah. some sort of interview. I, what do you think about his wife? She seems nice. Uh, I mean, she's she gorgeous. She loves a cucumber salad. That's what I know. I mean, who she, doesn't? There's refreshing. There was. Um, the overacting for some of the background talent is woo. It's wild in this. They Wonder really... Woman eighty four moves. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there was a, there's one scene where the Russian guy goes, "Hey, 
get me a sausage. Oh, and the my man God. goes to get him a sausage. What the fuck is this weird sort of like? What is that? It's an attempted at humor that isn't working well. They were they were oh. like they were jerking off to their like Tarantinoisms, or I guess jer- touching feet to so their Tarantinoisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird. I I think you're yeah that uh, again Olivia Coleman works. The rest of the people like are just it's too heavy. It's too um, generic mafioso or you know boss kind of thing. And it's all an expectations thing because like it was looked so looking forward to this like yeah. the trailer like the concept I was like. My God, this is up Your my expe- alley. I could see that. Our expectations were higher for this than most things. Is and Brody so- being uh, scroll enough? No. Yeah. It's what not. about the president? Because we cares? got a sneak peek of episode four. No, we don't. Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? But I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, it's like, it's tough to do these kinds of storylines in the MCU, which has only existed for 15 years versus... Uh, the six foot six, which has like existed for several decades. Well, and being able to afford the people that if they did turn yeah. into scrolls, you go, oh, yeah. Wow. And like, at this point, like, what heroes would you do? Like, so you many of them are dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, it. This had to be a movie for it to feel the same. So, in some respects, I think they probably went the right path to create its own sort of story because yeah. if they were just trying to pull in like who, whatever Avenger they could get. It would be sad pretty fast. I agree. Uh, at this point, I've got to say it's my least favorite of the MCU Disney Plus shows. You take that back. I mean, I don't. I, know, there's like, there's not really much else to compare. I'd say, I think Winter Soldier. I think Loki is the lowest for me. Loki is the worst for you. It, it really goes off the rails. At but the it, end it, of it gets really good yeah, at the that's end. True. Well, that's because it's built into the fucking narrative. That's my biggest problem. Is I'm really worried that this is going to end and it's not going to have any ramifications whatsoever. I that's want one of them about. to just be Mystique. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> Your that skin is blue. Blue instead of green. Uh, I mean, and we also, I mean, unless the trailer is a fake out, we know that Fury survives because he's in the trailer for the Marvels. Yeah, yeah, yeah bitch. So, yeah. Uh, does she die though at the end? Gaia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she got to be alive. That poor Amelia Clark's barely done anything. She just drove some people around. And I said, know. Hey. I would be impressed if they actually killed her off. I know that, that I would actually be that. more shocking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and little Easter egg. Drakov, who ran the Black Widow program, was referenced in the night. Wow. <laughs> okay. You just blew the so, thing but what is funny Did you is, like that one screen that was like Groot? Yeah, I did. The, like, yeah, I, we never talked about that. I mean, that I think is really the Super Scroll stuff. I'm excited to see where it yeah. goes. And I love the references that they have. I did think I did kind of groan at the line. It's like, we're going to be like scrolls that are super, you know, super, super scrolls. I was like, go, we get it. We I get was it. jerking it to that. Yeah. I, I want them to get great. I want them to just be super scrolls. Like, yeah. Honestly. I yeah. do. My, my, my biggest concern is with Extremis. What we're going to get is a bunch of people that like are just, oh, well, I guess because you have Groot's like growth, but I was just like, great. They're going to just have nondescript like high jumping, super strength, and maybe someone has laser eyes. Like, yeah. What's going to happen? No one's gonna have Super Scrolls actual and powers. Not to pull a Clark here, but I'm gonna have to very much like change my mind that like the Super Scroll in the comics yeah. has the Fantastic Four's powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just and have to should. like I, I have to it get should. I have to flip that in my so head. So that so that is what that's my only major thing of like why I know this show is never gonna stick the landing for me fully. I'll like probably end up enjoying it more than I think you are, Kalen. But yeah. it's it exactly what we're describing it's off from the comics it feels like they said we're gonna make a movie it's just like the original x-men movie like we're gonna take a bunch of the characters concepts whatever and just throw them into a blockbuster spy movie and you're like cool but like what if you did the things that we all enjoyed when the thing came out right no, don't read the comics right, yeah right uh all right let's uh bolt through x-men animated series season four episode eight nightcrawler 
Gamut Rogue and Wolverine take a ski trip in Germany and end up hunting down a demon who turns out to be none other than Nightcrawler. Uh, the X-Men convince the townsfolk of a European city trapped in the 1800s that uh, not to fear what they do not understand in a very heavy-handed manner. And a lot of fucking references to God over and over. I think it's like oh 29. My God. It is was, a very Christian episode. Oh, my episode. God. This was very. Oh, my God. It was yeah. so heavy-handed. And it was very pro-Christian at the end where it was like, that's Wolverine's the only salvation. Literally playing. Well, I do, on the plus side, I will say for a children's show. And I that, mean. It's a cross, not a plus. It is. On the cross, cross side. I'm really surprised at like some of the stuff, and of course they fucking change him back. But like Wolverine just literally going on a child show on a Saturday morning. God gave up on us a long time ago. It's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah. I gotta live for that. Yeah. I'm I'm not mad at that. That's I'm not. His, that's his vibe. That's his vibe. And also Nightcrawler is super religious, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's fine with that Guys, too. Was this the spookiest one? It started very spooky. It's a little spooky. <laughs> was it I, a spooky one? I was okay. Maybe it, this is a Mandela effect, but I thought they'd already introduced Nightcrawler. In that's the what everyone said. Well, I thought the same thing. Andrew, my boyfriend, thought it. Where it was all just like, wait a minute. It's because it makes no sense that he hasn't been in it yet yeah he should why has he not been established yeah i don't know maybe angels like showed up twice and I, he's the worst i mean we've had x factor fucking we've had it's, strong guy like four times i know it's so wild um so i well how do gambit's powers work can he just you can like, charge up anything and just throw it and it blows up but he would charge up his uh hot cocoa and then drink it well, he controls his. That energy. is gonna be yeah, some diarrhea. That's later. gonna be yeah. It's gonna be a little. <laughs> well, I'll like... tell you who can't control their powers. Fucking rogue. This bitch. St- this she just fucking a... don't touch me. I love she tears her arms like her sleeves off during that fucking uh, snowstorm, and then stop the demons, destroy them. <laughs> She's. That was one of her classic iconic scream. We I have love a. It. There's too many videos on YouTube of Jean Grey fainting and not enough of Rogue screaming. We need to make. I think that's an opportunity for us. <laughs> also, when Rogue was fighting. She, she can't be restrained, and I love that. Um, she's like, I gotta get this off of me. Um, and then she she rips off a gorgeous tapestry and just wraps around. I was like, that was probably really fucking expensive. Yeah, they like obliterated that. Oh, well, sorry, yeah. <laughs> obliterated that fucking place. You're part of the obliterati. Yeah, <laughs> the obliterati. <laughs> it was so. Um, I need him to be in more more of it. I don't know why he didn't go back with him. No, there's no reason because he's got to stay in prey. Yeah, but he's going to be in X Men '97, so he'll My, be back. Uh, Brother Reinhardt's a what? Was, oh, the last thing again. Fuck, there. It literally is the Hunchback of Notre Dame, like heavy oh, yeah. Quasimodo stuff. And then these fucking like random royal officers of this podunk town have laser guns because I know they oh, can't have yeah. real ones. Like at least if they had billy clubs, they were like trying to throw or be, like. Yeah. They're literally shooting these giant laser rifles. <laughs> what? Like it was crazy. It is wild that this town in I'm assuming is Bavaria hasn't seen the 19th or 20th <laughs> century or 20th century for sure. And this is right. So this is came out in the mid 90s, right? Yeah. So this is only a few years after Germany's re- reunification. Oh, so, you're right. So it's wild to kind of think about it in a historical context. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that I'm writing. It's called Pitchforks and Lasers, <laughs> where it's a mashup of like old and new. Just oh, there. like Cowboys and Aliens, yeah. that, that that hit movie that Punch no one liked. Back to oh Frankenstein. Gosh. He's a robot. Well, <laughs> I had to do like a reality to that point. Kaylin, I had to do a reality check because, of course, I'm one of those people where like you can say it to me too. You don't have to just well, say it to Kaylin. Well, no, 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 no. You're, you're not in reality. That's why I'm the type. Like, you know, like all of us are is like i'm the person that was just like oh 10 years ago oh so you mean 2000 like it's i i had to go back i'm like well wait a minute what was 
the nine like what would have random city in Germany been like? I don't think it would have been a nineteen eighteen ninety. But pitchforky. No, it would have been. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it's clearly very much taking the like the scenes from Giant Science X Men number one. A yeah, little call back yeah. to our top six uh, for the X Men. Uh, but like that's exactly like when Professor X found Nightcrawler. He's being hunted down by these German soldiers, but German villagers, excuse me. And that was the 1970s. Yeah. They still look like they were from the, the fucking 1800s. The continuity queen in me just gets so mad that <laughs> Jubilee's been around for this long and Nightcrawler's just being introduced. Oh, That's oh my lie. God. It's, and and where's Kitty Pride? Not I even, know. we don't even see her. Maybe in the new one, hopefully. Ugh. Anyways. All right. Extra, extra. Germany finally has electricity. <laughs> that nailed I it. I hope they use it for lasers. This is extra, extra, where we apparently just cover rumors. Um, up this week, so we have some Deadpool 3 news and rumors. rumors. So James uh, Mangold, director of Logan, thinks that this Wolverine appearance that's coming up in Deadpool 3 uh, will actually be a prequel to Logan, which makes sense because, spoilers, he dies in Logan. Um <laughs> I think we're all just Jerry rigging the timeline, right? What What do you guys think? I, I, I think, think you got to do what you got to do. So James Mangle doesn't know this for a fact. I think in his head He's canon, like, yeah, sure, it's uh, there. It's it's head yeah. canon for him. He's like the way I'm imagining it is is uh, that yeah. this is going to be like happen before Logan, and it's fine. Otherwise, I don't normally think about this stuff, but if you Put a gun to my head, which apparently CBR did. Um, that they, <laughs> I would too. <laughs> yeah, same. It's James Mangold. Speak on this. You made a good movie for us. How fucking dare you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you What do you think? Did you just get snatched out of like the time? I I, I really you, you love the TVA and Loki. Yeah, what do you I think? I really do hope it is T time based because I there's I think it's also because everyone's jerking off to all the rumors of like. Halle Berry coming back. We have a rumor about Channing Tatum yeah. potentially as Gambit. I'll just kind of throw that in to keep the spice going. But it's like all of these things are going to, they have to have some weird alternate. Because also, how do you bring Deadpool into the MCU? Like, it's yeah. got to be multiversal. And so I really, yeah. there's also rumors that TVA is like going to be involved too. So they're going to try to tie it in. I would live. Which, which actually, that would be cool. That makes sense. So to, to go back to your Channing Tatum rumor, I think this is fine. I think Clark said in our little chat that why not throw him a bone? They like Fox promised to be like Gambit for so long. Yeah. So why not just do it? it it's, it's the it's the Reed Richards throwaway. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good it's, point. It's, it, it's very much like that. But it's and he, he can't be any worse than the guy from Friday Night Lights who played Gambit oh in the God. Wolverine movie. So okay, why were people obsessed with Channing Tatum being Gambit? What is that? Channing Tatum was obsessed with Channing yeah, Tatum. Yeah, that's being uh, None like of us that, were. It was the personal campaigning uh, versus. He, it was like Channing. It was like like the Rock wanting to be Black Adam. Yeah, that was very much it's his passion project. Yeah. He just loved Gambit. Are it's, you hashtag Champa? But I'm ch- <laughs> Champum. Uh, wait, so why he doesn't look like him though? It makes oh my, no he sense. Does, does he have a southern accent? Like a Creole accent? No. No. I think he lived in New Orleans once or something. <laughs> What's, yeah, exactly. I filmed I mean, there. Magic Mike was filmed in Florida, so sure, why not? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, in other uh, casting news, or rumors, I should say, um, we, you know the rumors floating around, which I think we even covered here, that Margot Robbie was potentially going to be Sue Storm mm-hmm. in Fantastic Four. Um, there's more reports that just recently came out that feel a little bit more viable that Vanessa Kirby from Mission, a lot of the Mission Impossible movies, yeah. she is actually cast as Sue Storm. Makes sense, budget-wise. Yeah. Re- repeat offender-wise, like just showing up all the time. 
Um, what do you guys think? I like Vanessa Kirby a lot. I've loved fine. her since The Crown. Uh, she played Princess Margaret in the first couple of oh. seasons. Um, and I made this point earlier that, you know, I think Margot Robbie and even someone like Adam Driver, who is rumored to play Reed Richards, they're just too big now. Like, you can't, yeah. they're, they're stars. Yeah. Uh, and I think Barbie, uh, when it's just coming out later this month, it's going to skyrocket Margot Robbie's already, like, very, like, stratospheric They'll career. be villains. Like, they're not going to play, or, yeah, si- like, they're not going to play these, like, multi-series. Correct, correct. So, I'd rather have somebody who's a little bit less well-known uh, to uh, to be that so they can be more character actory and like really kind of get into those roles. I want all the money that would have gone to Margot Robbie and Adam Driver to go into paying the special effects budgets to be yes. at an appropriate scale. And the writers, budget. so they get paid more. Correct. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and our last little piece of rumor this uh, week is Benedict Cumberbatch said on a recent interview that he will be rejoining some Marvel capers in 2024 and 2025. So people started spinning and saying, does that mean his movie's coming out sooner? Are they restructuring uh, what they're trying to do even more? Could they're going to turn a fucking movie around in a year, you idiots. Well, they, can't, they restructured stuff before. Yeah. Here's my theory. No, no insider knowledge whatsoever. Right, yeah. He's going to make a cameo in Agatha. I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah Coven of Chaos. I think he could be a cameo queen for a little bit. Um, well, they said, I mean, she even Catherine Hahn is basically like, I mean, again, people just saying shit, but like Catherine Hahn was like, this is basically just going to be WandaVision season two. Yeah. So like, yeah. they're obviously going to find a way to tie some of the storylines yeah. together. I think people are thinking more in the greater whatever, what it means if, if they're going to expedite some of his. Yeah. I think I could see that, honestly. I think they're struggling hard with losing so many of the big Avengers heavy hitters that they had. Right. They were counting on Carol and Black Panther to do a lot, and I don't think they can, so I think it's basically up to Doctor Strange now to it is. carry the whole fucking franchise. He has to be. The, the again, there's no one else He's that can stand to be the Iron Man of Why not space Scarlet Witch? Or, or Spider-Man. Witch. And, but Tom he's Allen. off doing stuff too. So yeah. it's, and Sony stuff is so tough uh, to do. I mean, right? I don't. I don't envy Kevin Feige. I mean, I'm sure he like is not crying. Are into you kidding his me? Billions. I would love to be. Kevin Feige. <laughs> well, except like I mean, he's so after 15 years of oh, like of building something, and yeah. then you know he's got had bad luck after bad luck. I mean, right now you've got the writer strike, the stuff with Jonathan yeah. Majors, the stuff now with uh, Tanak. Uh, uh, what's oh, his, Tanak Huerta? Huerta, yeah. uh, like the uh, the allegations against him. Like, all that stuff, it's like, oh, these people, like, he was building up to be, like, this next generation of characters, yeah. both heroes and villains or anti-heroes, and, like, he's got to, like, pull some of these folks out. And so, I think there's a lot of, like, uh, there's just a lot of, like, swirl that's happening with the MCU. It doesn't have that same momentum it did sort of at the start of, of yeah, yeah, Phase yeah. 3. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I feel I'm a little worried about where it's all gonna go it is a little bit but it's kind of thing of like well (laughs) well and i feel bad too because it would be if you think about the mcu phase one it wasn't that great (laughs) so like no, not until the Avengers. You gotta just yeah, keep but getting... once you see something great, you can't no, go of be course. like, that's what I mean. Well, they don't, when I they first don't get met you, start. you were a piece of shit, but then I liked you and be like, Why are you looking at me when you say that? No, I, I, I don't. Uh. But no, I do. I hate that, that it's always gotta be bigger, badder. Bull. I mean, this is sequelitis, right? And I'm just right. like, it's unfortunate that they've become uh, maimed by their own success. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how do you top yourself? I've been researching that on the internet, by the way. They really prolapsed the MCU. You know what I mean? Wow. 
uh, suck in and push out. You know. Oh you Did you just say that so you could be on our like on this week uh, or no, this episode? No, I don't. Actually, please don't use that. And that <laughs> reference to Prolap means it's time for the issues, <laughs> our weekly recap of all things. X. That was a shitty joke. This week we have uh, last week and this week's comics. So you've got X Men Before the Fall, The Heralds of Apocalypse, uh, Sinister Four. You've got Deadpool number eight, X Men number twenty four, and then uh, we have a really nice segment to wrap up our uh, issues this week, which is X twenty three Deadly Regenerate G- Genesis. You might have seen us read one or two. We have read the other ones, and we're ready to close out. And we have a little bit of an update on how we're going to be talking about retro minis. But let's do the fun stuff. So X Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse number one, Al Ewing and Stefano Stefano Landini. We get the backstory on what Apocalypse and his family have been up to uh, since they closed off the Amenth invasion, as well as some additional before times with Genesis and Apocalypse, and the reveal that Genesis could have closed the Amenthi rift ages ago, but chose not to. What a bitch. I really like this a lot. Um, this and then the other before the fall one shot are both well done because it's well, it's Al Ewing and it's Kieran Gillen, two of, I think, my favorite writers of the X books right now. I love that, like, that Genesis is much more warlike than Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Like, Apocalypse is like, I did this for a reason, and this bitch just wants to wage war. It is, it is, I think it is such an interesting swerve that makes a lot of sense, even when you go back and read Ten of Swords. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, the, these issues were really great. I just wonder why we did not get this issue, like, way back from uh, the end of X of Swords. Yeah, like why? It's a we... bit odd to have dropped it it's... right now, like, uh, because she, they're so much... involved. No, with... I know, but, but I, I wish. Even like with fed. White Sword and some other things, there were so many dangling plot threads that I'm like, we could have like tied a few of these up a little bit sooner. But I guess yeah. they were dealing with other things. They were dealing with other things. I think. But yeah, yeah, just these characters are so compelling. Um, I I love their relationship. They're really fucked up relationship. Yeah, yeah. they also. Don't like each other, but they are obsessed with. Well, each they respect other. each Toxic. other. Yeah. yeah, what couple like? Do we know any Toxic. couples like that? <laughs> um, I really like the backstory on the kids' names. Just the like dialogue at the river. I thought yeah. that was a bit of a stretch. It's a lot, but it well because <laughs> I liked it though. Yeah, but it did make sense where it is like. Well, I'm sure. Like, I mean, Al Ewing thankfully had like a logic hat on, which was like. Why the fuck would if like before yeah. all this stuff happened? Why the fuck would she name these kids all this? Stuff? Yeah, pestilence. <laughs> I just like the way pestilence sounds. Right, as a little... it is. A, it's, it's a pretty word. Terrible thing though. Like, yeah, that's true. Did you call it pesty for short? You think it's cute? Yeah. yeah. Oh, have you met my daughter, Femine? Femi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also got to see uh, an extended edition of Mariana Stern's conversation from Kavanakaba. Yeah. Obviously, she you we were kind of wondering a little bit of what were they doing, what were they talking about. She revealed that Uranus obviously just obliterated uh, fucking uh, Araco, and so that kind of like led. I did. I really like these before the fall. These particular two books filling in some of the like well wait a minute how did that happen in some of the major issues we've been reading. I just love the recap because you're like. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. Like, and then that went to Earth, and then that went to yes. Mars, and then that was It is a now. lot of mythos in the past, what, like True. three years, four years? That's excellent, right. though. Um, anything, uh, White Sword kind of like being the leader of the charge and like re- finding his power during the initial invasion was fun to kind of hear about, you see. I, you know, if you'd asked me like years ago before like Jonathan Hickman's run about like them, inc- 
introducing what a whole new thing of story? mutants. Yeah. I would have been like, this is, sounds like the stupidest Stretch. fucking thing in the world. How I many l- swords are involved? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, what, Arako and Krakoa? Yeah. O- Okara? <laughs> Amenth? What the fuck? I was like, and I'm I'm eating it up. They've, I love it. Yeah. They've treated it with such respect and thoughtfulness and intention. Agreed. And I think to that, to what you were saying before, you know, after 60 years, and we talk about this all the time, you can't just keep sitting at that fucking mansion training a bunch of people and not aging. Like, at some yeah. point, you have right. to, like, do something. Cyclops, you're not 30 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking um, of which. Yes. Let us speak on some. X-Men 24. X-Men 24. Yes. That's right. I did put them. I reordered them to go in the order of when they were supposed to be read released. So we've got 24, Jerry Duggan, Joshua Kassara. Multiple threads fly in this issue. This is a very dense issue. Very. Uh, we've got Young Cable returning to the 616 current day only to be frozen by Orcus. Rogue and Destiny discussing the manifold of it all. Currently featured in there, obviously, many that's going to wrap up and have ramifications. Uh, the X-Men battling per- Pog or Pog on Game World, our favorite. Yes. Gene and Scott continuing to stand off and having a bit more of a conversation. Lorna's grief over Magneto. And a follow-up, final, another thangling thread on Sunfire and his hunt for Red Root. Um, well, I hope they really tie it up with a bow and don't leave us dangling yeah. even more at the end of this. <laughs> so, oh, none of these won't get solved at all until next year. <laughs> I feel like after reading this issue, one, I really, I really did love it, and I think the art's beautiful. I have a feeling that, like in Fall of X, I think all the mutants relocate to Araco. Mm. I think they oh. all do. I think the hint of like you know Cyclops saying I haven't like I still haven't gone. Loved that conversation. Great conversation. I think they all go off world, and it's because in Cyclops' biggest nightmare, it's like this is my home world. I believe it. I believe in integration. I believe in this, and then they seclude themselves even more. They're not even on an island. They're on a completely different planet. It's a relatable thing in a relationship to being like, oh, you know my favorite restaurant? Yeah. Araco? Yeah, yeah. Have you even been? No. Oh. <laughs> it's just a, it's a relatable fight that they're just dying on their eyes. I'm just imagining was... Planet Araco is like Planet Hollywood. It's just a <laughs> oh terrible restaurant. It's I thought it was the concept of like, we're not, we're like we're just not seeing eye to eye. We're not even on another island. We're on another planet. That's a good Cyclops pun, by the way. Eye to eye. Uh, humans are from Earth. Humans are from uh, Mars. Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, so yeah, Young Cable came back, hurrah, he got sure. a, fucking obliterated by Orcus, which yeah. was Love that. pretty cool. I've never seen them work together so well just to be like, fuck this Does. kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and it's, I do like the concept too of like, we can't, like I always love when there's like a reason why villains can't do something and it's like, no, we don't want more cables on our back. And then yeah. just even that, the info panel about the fucking It's t- smart. Just TVA. freeze them in time so exactly. they can't do anything. Right. Uh, Pogger Pog being back. What? I, I literally forgot he talked like Etrigan for fucking DC. Yeah. And his little poglets or little, whatever. Little gnome. Oh my I God, his little them. baby. I love them. What but they... so does that mean there's smaller gnomes inside of those alligator yes. bodies? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think those are his kids in smaller like little, little alligator that's your too. That's your baby pog body. We'll get you a bigger one <laughs> does later, that mean, Does that mean he settled down in space? I... The, also, the concept asexual reproduction. They, they could all go to Mars. They might fucking destroy Mars. They might all go to fucking space. I think Brent threw this out as oh a right about theory. following where like, the Rocky. If might. they're all leaving Earth, they might all get kicked out of Mars too. Like they might just go. Oh, go- leave the entire solar system. Yeah. yeah, go somewhere else. Like that. Actually, if the way the X Men are just expanding, expanding, maybe they'll be you know full another fucking universe i do really work a little it's, bit it's interesting it would suck and then when they come, come back, back it'll be good that will be truly like uh x-men versus 
the rest of the Marvel universe. Because mm. I worry about that. I don't know. No, Maybe. I, Maybe, I, yeah. I worry the most about the thesis of the minute they move that far out. And I mean, you can still have this in a planet to planet scenario. Mm-hmm. I worry that you'll lose that element. And again, we've got to be at the point where we're hopefully, again, as queer people, we want to keep fighting all the time. We want to be celebrating. And, you know, any, any person of diversity wants to find opportunities to celebrate, cherish themselves, connect. I don't I don't want to lose that reality though of what the X-Men stand for and mean and like if they're on their own planet just having fucking orgies all the time which sounds amazing. It would be sad Let's but go maybe to they gay. just think they have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I do too. That's it. We're leaving tomorrow <laughs> slash which universe you want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fire Island universe. <laughs> I think we covered all the good stuff that was there. Let's talk about Before the Fall Sinister 4, Kieran Gillen and Paco Medina. We get the download on the original relationship of Nathaniel and his wife Rebecca. And the reveal that all four of the current Sinisters are merely clones of the original uh, and a fill-in on the resurrection of Selene. Great. Love, I loved it. Love uh, these guys. Yeah, the date between... Uh, <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah, those fucking Sinisters. Uh, the date between Stasis and Mother Righteous, I think, was really well done, especially cool. like there. Uh, you find out... We found out a couple of issues ago in a different comic that Mother Righteous is the clone of Essex's wife. Um, I think it's just a really interesting, I don't know, it's an interesting like dynamic of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And we're getting, I, I still want to know the mystery of who the fifth sinister is, the one that like av- uh, achieved out- Dominion. Outside, maybe that's the universe they go to, who knows? Oh, wow, um, it's all coming together. Yeah. We, we really did this lore that's not going to connect at all. Um, I love, one represents science, one represents magic, one represents like humans, one represents, I love that. Cosmic, the four, yeah. yeah, it's so good. Cosmic was a generic sort of like whatever. <laughs> Cosmic. Hey, you know, out in space. But yeah. I, well, re- I really enjoy having the reasoning for that. Is there real, and there's still, there could, there's either the fifth sinister or there, it could be one of the other three, right? All we know is that fake sinister prime. I don't know, it was diamond. redacted from that. All these documents I keep getting. I do. They All the documents that come to my desk, they're redacted. redacted. Yeah. That has to protect you, sir. Uh, no, <laughs> that's been my favorite part about this is the weird sort of – I love when she just fucking hands him the book and then you read the page. I was like, oh, the info it's, panels are something that will really set this this era apart. In agreed. The sense that it's so fun mixed media and it's a lot of comics just don't have that or don't do it well and yeah. they really – that, they, they, that from is great. they all are just different versions of him, truly, because they all think they have the upper hand. Yeah. Like Stasis being like so, so smug, being like, well, I was the closest to his true um, like thing. So I'm probably the one that's most close to the original. Right. And you're like, sure, baby. And then her being like, and you didn't know that I knew I this guy. Upset. And like, <laughs> it's very girl, uh, alias. It's very ABC alias. Girl, it's Jennifer ve- Garner's like it's very triple gay guys at a, a gay bar. Okay. Okay. So there's, let's say there are five sinisters. We'll see if that's the dominion. Cool. Which five of us are which? Okay. Oh, uh, I like that. Uh, you want to be magic, right? You want to be mother righteous. You got to be mother righteous. But oh, I, I, oh, I think it might be Clark well, actually. It, it, uh, like human resources. Brenda's orbit. Orbis Galaris. Yeah. I could see stasis. I want to see people reach I'd their probably true potential. The, ori- the the one that we knew for a long time. Well, we're both like, fabulous. I don't. I know. was like, oh, yeah, thank the, you. The gay capey one. I feel like it's you. You're, like you're more punchy with your like. Yeah, darling. How dare <laughs> you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them going into his marriage a little too much. I was like. But what about his queer relationships? Ah, we exactly. know, girl, you we gotta swish in that. Yeah. We, we know you we know you screwed a guy or two. So did we say that uh, Brent was Orbis? I think that's right. You're Dr. Stasis. I might be Dr. You're Stasis. You're probably Dr. Stasis. You look great in a helmet. Are you I telling me to cover my face? No, baby. Look, no, uh, that uh, helmet's so cool. I'm always the cool. carry, so I'll also be Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> 
dog. I just achieved a minion. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. I'll still come to the parties. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, also, can we talk about the most important thing? Wow. Adamantium pinballs and sinister <gasps> six Amazing. Shooter. Amazing. That was cool. That was cool. Him doing that was like, uh, that is how we need to see more shit like and, that. And like fucking like death. So he fucking up, kills yes, death. And then that. Celine like, shows up and is like, hey, kiss. Yeah. Oh, Celine. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was all, and now I'm, they're like, we don't need Mother Righteous anymore because we have Celine. I'm like, what is I'm this really glad power that, dynamic? I'm so glad yeah. that that's filled in that that's how she came back as opposed to like Kandra's just being like, oh, yeah, we resurrect all the time, bitch, when she was making out with Black Cat in that yeah. Pride issue. That's, yeah, good point. Uh, all right. Quickly, let's wrap up with Deadpool number eight, uh, Alyssa Wong and Luigi Zagara, Zagaria. Aster of the Atelier spins a reality for Wade where his face is fixed. His fuck buddies are all his roommates and Princess ends up captured by lovers Alcadon and Miss Ginkgo. Cute. Sure. It's a cute book. I, I enjoyed this issue a lot. I thought yeah. it was really well done. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it does make me sad though that eight Deadpool, and it's a good overall series. I know it's very popcorn, but like it's eight issues. And then we were talking about with Captain Britain wrapping up that we're like, give, give that, fucking teeny howard give her like 10 give her something where she yeah. can really wrap this shit i know up. i know this is like gonna be 10 issues of nothing in an okay way just to get to summer of symbiotes or some other shit well i mean it's deadpool who is relatively popular versus money, like honey. captain britain a le- a female lesbian or That's i guess all, yeah uh like they're just like she can't carry her own book unfortunately yeah, lots of I sexual like, energy though in this i book, love that so. deadpool's lovers like i don't want this fucking clear cell face give me that old one like yeah, yeah, yeah. just loves him for who he is yeah, yeah. so nice their yeah. relationship is very good very i enjoy cute. what they've done uh, agreed um uh, all right let's wrap up with x23 oh, deadly regenerous number five to. or one through five erica schultz and one edgar salazar it. the series ends and we're going to stop reading retro minis as they offer nothing new to the canon or characters that are being made about. and honestly this is the fans fault they wanted us to read these retro minis we did it they're terrible they didn't want us to do it. Yeah. <laughs> looking at you right I, now. I, you look anywhere though. I'm like we, House of X, the Facebook group, uh, you know, where the House of, House of this, X podcast run. It's just a constant. Everyone is struggling to them. Storm is apparently terrible. Yeah. Gamba, we stopped after one issue. Like none of these things matter because these characters also keep evolving so much. Right. This, yeah, this character doesn't belong in this space anymore. It just doesn't make any sense for it, and it doesn't work like this that. This is no anymore. knock to for me. There's no knock on the writers no. and the artists. The book right. is competent. It's like they. If it's I like, if it felt yeah. Go ahead. If I read X twenty, if I read. Uh, NYX, then the X23 series, then it led up to this one. Yeah. And then started to you read. You put it into that and canon. Then, and then when she became Wolverine and all that, that would all be okay. But I just have a permit, uh, uh, like a, a, a problem, like uh, like really taking myself out of it. I don't it's even. so not good. I, so yeah. there's two Lauras running around right now with like Talon and Wolverine. And there's so something so interesting about Talon that like I feel like a miniseries about her would yes. be so fucking cool that to me is the real yeah. laura that i want to continue to see now agreed like, to totally. age her up was a really cool I, idea. I will say one semi-positive thing or an opportunity maybe mm-hmm. is a better way to put it oh this so is a performance review Caleb, but go ahead yeah <laughs> it is for this book uh is uh they, they show that kingpin is like behind you know yeah. kimura uh now kingpin in the modern uh storyline in the current timeline is on Krakoa. Oh. And if they find a way to make the connection with Laura and Wilson Fisk, 
Like, I think that would be interesting, but they, sure. I know There's they won't. There's going to be one panel, and Kingdom will go, oh, it's you. I'm still, Kimura's still asking me for my money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be it. Yeah, and then this she just stabs him. To find out what she's talking about, go read Deadly Regenerate. <laughs> I mean, I like, I've always liked the Kingpin as a villain, and I think, like, integrating him more in the X-Men is an interesting idea that I would not have expected that I liked, but I do like it. It's just, I love her outfit. Kimura? Or? That's about it. Yeah. Oh. Both of their outfits. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're fine. They're good. I know that Kimura has no character, but I, again, going back to my Street Fighter days, I'm like, the alpha looks sick. She's a bitch. I love her already. Put her in more she's shit. Fun, like, yeah. I don't care what else she does. She's just a huge bitch that's a mercenary. She really is. She doesn't have much fun <laughs> She was yeah. so rude. I loved it. As <gasps> always, we like to wrap up with a little something we call Plug Me Daddy, where each of us get a chance to quickly highlight something we've read, seen, or heard and wanted to share with you. <laughs> Was that fast? That Hear, time? No, hearing is bad. You're like, or heard. Or heard. heard. You heard? If you uh, heard it, you heard it. You turned it. it. Then you know. Um, what do you guys have to plug? I can go first. first. Yeah, go for uh, it. So, Birthday Boy. Final Fantasy 16 came out yes. last week, two weeks ago. You I went track. to a bar and you were talking about it incessantly. Was I? Yeah. You were been... singing, no, actually. No, was oh, cute. I was, uh, yeah. I've, uh, I think it was, was it on Sunday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we sat at the table at uh, our two friends and he was playing it too. Yeah. But yeah, no, I so. I love to see nerds out like at So like, fucking fun to nerd out. When people are trying to like finger blast each other on the dance floor. I love like <laughs> so when people are like nerding out in the chorus. <laughs> Um, but it is, uh, it's not my style of gameplay. I do think that Final Fantasy VII, the remake, has the best connection of like real time action and then slow down time, choose your options. Yeah. But it is still methodical enough that it's not this hyperactive action journey. And the story is very good. Granted, it's a little copy paste and like find and replace for uh, Game of Thrones, mm. but it is really killing it. It is very engaging, it is very mature. For Final Fantasy, and the, the worst part uh, is simply that the character designs don't land as much for me anymore because they're all basically look like European. There was a very intense thing because uh, there's sort of a, if you will, a bigotry racism plotline, and thankfully right. a Japanese company was smart enough to go, everyone's going to be the exact same complexion, so we don't create any sort of real life like conversation, which is like Race the best thing to avoid. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really smart to avoid Jesus. it, but you still have all the it's. It's actually a little bit more like even gay people because like you people grow into, I think, having these powers or they're born with them kind of thing. Okay. Um, and so it just, it's all sorts of like interesting stuff. Stan Lee pitched this one. Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, okay. So my plug, I just got back from a trip to Berlin and Dublin, uh, but I, what I'm actually plugging is a oh, concert you, oh stop oh. it no not that oh. that's for that's for our after hours <laughs> podcast uh, after, after dark, after dark. Um, I got to see Roisin Murphy who is one of my favorite musical artists over the last few years uh, she performed in Dublin at Trinity College and she is Irish herself so this was like home territory for her she, she just, started flying the minute she started singing pretty much yeah <laughs> Because she's a banshee? Yeah, yeah that was a, it was a banshee reference. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Hey. Oh, 60th anniversary of X-Men. I see how you brought it back. <laughs> um, she's She just turned 50, by the way. So she's like Dang. like a Kylie Minogue-esque, you know, like like aging, oh, yeah, right. aging wow. pop star. She used to be in a band called Maloko back in the day. She was so good. I was exp- I was like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this just because it's such a bucket list yeah. concert for me. And she's not touring the United States anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh but my God, she was so good. Her band was so good. Nice. She had four costume changes. She was having fun with the crowd. She had personality, verve, vigor. 
It was great. The crowd was fantastic. What What were some of the big hits that she played? Uh, she played a lot of stuff from her last album uh, that dropped at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. It was okay. a, it was a uh, it was definitely a pandemic album for yeah, me, Roisin yeah. Machine. So she played a lot of stuff in that. But the big hit that or hit is a is a strong word. She played "Sing It Back," uh, which is oh, a song yeah. that she did with Maloko. Yeah. And like when she did it, people lost their fucking. I mean, like people lost yeah. their just. I lost my mind. Uh, but the really cool thing was I, earlier in that that day, I was touring Trinity College because that's where the Book of Kells is, uh, and so you can take a tour and go see it. And we got to hear her sound check, oh. and we got to hear her sing along. And I was like, "Oh my god, that's this is so fucking cool!" It was just I'm a big concert guy. I love music. Uh, so oh, uh, I know heard it slash heard it, but it was really good. No, that's really awesome. good. Um, I'm a big garbage TV guy, as you know. Oh, um, I do know that. And also, and just like that, it's oh back, my y'all. God. I got to start the new season. And, and they have doubled down on Che Diaz. They do not care. <laughs> so. The uh, most unfunny, non-binary, bisexual comedian I've ever Kaylin, seen in my life. He's not funny. They're non-funny. I will watch it with you because there are scenes where they are just like, talking and they'll say the end of their set and then people are like Wah! but it'll be like i had to take an uber to the bedroom and people are like wow yeah i'm gonna kill myself like they're just going crazy <laughs> so that's back you can watch that or you can't i wanted a recap show that was really gonna encompass what i wanted which was to you know give a commentary on it and really just be self-aware um matt mcconkey does one um he does homophilia and some other like uh cool podcast yeah uh through like earwolf and some other stuff and wow and uh he has what he has a recap podcast with like some great uh speakers called and just like matt Uh, that's which is really fun but the very first episode he actually has the main writer that used to write sex in the city writes this current uh michael something king right Uh, exactly yeah and michael patrick king patrick king yes um and so he's on and, you know, because the show is sort of, like, pushing against, you know, what people want in the world or, like, <laughs> like you know, quality and stuff. Yeah, um, it's anti-quality. And you would think he's, like, maybe got a little bit, like, a wink or a cheeky eye. Nope. He is, like, doubling down, being like, this is what we're doing. We're this really is doing art. It's not, like, self-aware. It's, it's I don't like, think yeah. it is. But, so it's a, but it's a very interesting interview. So I would recommend people doing that, I, even if they like it or they don't. Yeah, I, I like it for different reasons. I would love to listen to that interview because yeah. I have gone back and rewatched all of Sex and the City. Okay. And uh, making my way through season one of, of And Just Like That. But, but before that, I watched both movies. So the first one that oh, came out. Oh, the movies to... are great. Well, the second one sucks. The but... first one was really. The first, one, the first watched... one's okay. The first, like no, the, the first one hit so hard, Caitlin. Oh That's my like God. a season of. I never watched Baby, the show. It's it like is a season so of good. It is it it is good. See, the, this is why it's such a good culture we have around. It, this. it is like, it is it. The it. movie the movie has a the first movie does have a purpose. Um, Jennifer Hudson's character is awful. Oh, I <laughs> forgot that she was uh, terrible. Luis from Sweden. He's yeah. from Saint Louis. So, so oh, I mean, she, it's like it's like. Uh, the creators of Sex and the City realize, oh, we don't have any people of color. Yeah. Let's have a magic Negro it, character. It, it borders is. magical Negro. Yeah, it's, very it's much tough. so. It's tough. But to say that it is 
a million times better than the second movie. The second movie is I I'm like I don't remember. She kisses Aiden, but also like Samantha gets fucked on a car. Like other than that, I don't remember anything. Well, happened. first of all, uh, Stan- Stanford and uh, and Anthony oh, get, get married. married. And it, it with Liza yeah. Minnelli, who does is not only efficient. Oh, she the saying a light is. Is she oh, before, oh, saying a light? Right. It is. It is the most. Shit, guys, should this just be a recap show instead of yeah, the movie? Really the movie that. is both homophobic and it's written by gay people featuring gay people and they go to abu dhabi and it is horrifically racist horrifically xenophobic no they take off their garb and then they're wearing like they're like the biggest surprise was you could be beautiful under all that and you're like what the fuck are you talking about so my point is that movie is so bad that it made and just like that season one not bad by comparison. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay. I was like, maybe my memories of it are just not, a, or like they're better than I remember, or it's better than I remembered it, or whatever. I don't know. But like I, that second movie. I just hope terrible. they get to their Krakoa years. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they will in okay, season four. All right. That has been our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Homo Superior X on Twitter, Homo Superior Podcast on Instagram. If you have a chance, tell your friends, rate and review us. Uh, Get us that sponsor money, bitch. We need it desperately. Smash that subscribe button. Exactly. Just keep following us. Keep tweeting at us. Keep uh, shooting us. Maybe you're on. Th- keep threading us. That's a new fucking thing. Yeah. Keep riding that lightning. Exactly. Keep riding that lightning. Bye bye, little homo lightnings. Bye. 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 bye.